You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 90. I think the biggest thing facing vets is the unknown. The unknown, number one, of how can they transfer their leadership skills, their technical skills into something that matches up in, in the civilian sector. I think that's the, that's the first part. And the second biggest hurdle that they face is just being able to understand some of the softer unwritten rules that go on in the workplace. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, hello, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Meg Rinchler. I want to welcome you to another week of exploring strategies, tools, and resources for professional coaches. And that, of course, makes up the acronym for STAR in our STAR Coach logo and title. I am, as always, honored and thrilled to have you with us. This week, if you live in the United States, you know we are celebrating Independence Day, and that is another reason for STAR this week in our Stars and Stripes for the United States flag. We are actually honoring our service members in today's episode by interviewing a vet turned coach around his services with veterans and service members who are transitioning into civilian life. But before we go there, I would like to touch base with all of you around something else. So this is our 90th episode. That's exciting for me. And that also says to me, okay, I'm 10 shows away from my 100th episode. What are some of the milestones that I would like to hit for my 100th episode? And each of those milestones really involves getting help from you, the listener. So one of the milestones that I would very much love to get is if we could get a 100 rates and reviews on iTunes by the time that we hit our 100th show, that would be an incredible, wonderfully appreciative milestone. So if you're liking the show, if you could go on iTunes and rate and review for us, that would be over the top fantastic. In addition, our downloads and listeners to the show have continued to rise. And it's so exciting. We have listeners from over 20 countries. We have hundreds of downloads every single week. And I would like to multiply that. So if we could continue to let people know about the show, if you know of other coaches that would benefit and learn from the show, please share information about the show with them. In addition, there might be an episode that you know would resonate with a friend or somebody you work with that might not even be a coach. So gosh, share the show. Let's have it continue to grow because my goal from show 100 to 200 is going to be so much more, but we've got 10 episodes now between now and show 100 and let's all work together to meet these milestones. I would be so appreciative. Now, speaking of appreciation, 
I have an incredible appreciation for the men and women of our country and really of every country who are a part of our military services, who work towards keeping our country safe and working towards hopefully making the world a more peaceful place. So within that, I wanted to honor that by interviewing somebody regarding veteran services. And I invited Dr. Jay Howard onto the show today. Jay works with veterans who are transitioning out of military service into civilian life and also works with those military leaders to bring their leadership into organizations and jobs within civilian life as well so that they can transition what it's like to be a military leader into being a leader within organizations outside of the military. Now, Jay comes from an extensive background in many different industries, but he did put in 20 years in the military, and he's worked in federal service. He continues to work on bringing coaching into the framework of how do we help our men and women of military service transition out of that environment that is so familiar to them and be successful in the civilian space. Jay has an extensive educational background as well. He got his PhD at Syracuse University and had his military training at West Point. He brings extensive diversity background into his coaching. And I'm just really excited to share my conversation with Dr. Jerusalem Howard, and he goes by Jay, with all of you. So let's go to our interview with Dr. Jay Howard. I want to welcome Jay Howard to the show today. Jay, it is wonderful to see you. It's been a little bit since we've connected. So how have you been? Yeah, so thank you so very much for having me today. It has been a little bit. Things for me are going pretty well. I've just started my practice in the area of servicing and coaching vets at this point. Which is incredibly important. And I think we all owe a service to our vets. And as you create a practice around coaching vets, so incredibly important. And I'm wondering, what is it about your background that led you to this particular niche? Well, I I think the biggest thing, I started my military career as a graduate of the U.S. Military Academy. So I have that as a background. I served both active duty and in the reserves. And so that has given me a flavor of seeing veterans throughout the whole, throughout my entire career and also working with them as a transition. In my career, I've had an opportunity to work in the civilian sector as well as the government sector. So that gives me a little bit more of a background in terms of seeing how I can leverage my expertise to help them as they go on the journey that I completed some time ago. Yeah. So when, like, how long have you been out of the military and actually serving the country in a different way? 
I, I've actually retired twice. Once I retired, and then I came back on active duty to, to fulfill another obligation tour to help with the buildup for the Afghanistan, for the conflict in Afghanistan. So I was retired twice. So really, technically, I've retired about five years ago. Mm-hmm. officially. So, so now I am done. I have my 30-year limit of time that I can serve. So I've done that. So for the last five years, I've actually been focusing more so on being able to help coach veterans as they transition from the military into the civilian sector. So let's talk about that. Vets have some unique sort of issues that they have to deal with and concerns that they face. So when you focus on helping vets be successful, where do you begin to engage with them? Where are they at in their careers when they might engage with you as a coach? Well, the first, the first part would be as, it, as they get ready to leave the military. That is the most traumatic. Well, for me, it was one of the most traumatic experiences because, again, in the military, it's more family-oriented. Everything is taken, almost everything is taken care of for you. There's a high sense of duty, honor, and commitment. And now they're leaving that, that the safety net of the military into, uh, for most of them, a, a brand new work environment, brand new set of rules, regulations, and that sort of thing. I think the biggest thing facing vets is the unknown. The unknown, number one, of how can they transfer their leadership skills, their technical skills into something that matches up in, in the civilian sector. I think that's the that's the first part. And the, and the second biggest hurdle that they face is just being able to understand some of the softer unwritten rules that go on in the workplace. So one set of vets that I work with are dealing with just that transition. How do I go from doing whatever I did in the military into a civilian job? And the second set of vets that I work with are those folks who have, who have already made the transition. Now they're at the manager, senior manager level and figuring out how can they navigate to get to the next highest level or higher level in terms of their career. So it's really the entry point and then five to six years later, I picked them up again in terms of being able to, to help them map out their next career career move. You know, there is something I want the listeners to really think about the fact that many times a young man or woman will go into the military straight out of high school or as, as a young adult. And so their entire kind of world is structured through the lens of, of the military. They kind of grow up in the military. And right. it's it's a culture unto itself. And then it's sort of like being sent from your family forward at a at a with a different I mean you still you have incredible skill set, but how does it translate into the non military world? So I can imagine and that you deal with a lot of that. That is exactly right. And the and the first really part of the sessions just deal with the idea of leaving the military in terms of transitioning from, as you said, a really structured society into one or an environment where they have to get out and do things on their own. They have to be able to find out every step of the way in terms of what type of industry do I want to work with or work for or work in, what type of company, large, small, uh, entrepreneurial, and those sorts of things. And all this is, is relatively new for most of the most of the vets just leaving the military. And the military, they do a good job in terms of helping them transition, but one size doesn't fit all. And that's, right. and that's where I come in because I actually really work with the individuals who have gone through the TAP, who have gone through all, all those sorts of things that the government provides for them. And then I, I take it, I fill the gaps that they have in terms of what it is they need to go from the military into their first position. 
You said gone through the TAC. What does that stand for? The TAP. Oh, the, the TAP is tuition assistance, or not tuition assistance, but the transition uh, program that the Army offers. Okay. So what they do is they, they give you, they set you up, and most posts have them. They go through interview writing, interview prep, career search, and those, those sorts of strategies. And then from there, after that, that's the certification, so to speak, of being able to say, okay, the military has done their job to help you find your next career position and that sort of thing. But a okay. lot of times, uh, they all go through it. But the issue is that if there's any other questions after that, how do they dig deeper in terms of figuring out, okay, this, these are the things I need to secure employment as well as being able to already have a job. But now how do I, how do I leverage my experience to go even higher within that organization? Right. So I can imagine they need to learn how to write a resume that translates military skills into sort of how they can be transitioned into civilian life. So to take their the skills that they used as a service member and translate them into how do I take those skills into this next stage of my life? Yes. And mo- most of the technical technical specialties in the military, they do a good job at that because if you're a cybersecurity specialist in the military, more than likely there'll be a cybersecurity specialist in, in the civilian sector. The big issue that we have, that I have, is dealing with the, the, the leadership skills in terms of if you are infantryman or person, you actually go out and you close with and destroy the enemy. They don't necessarily have that in the civilian sector. So what we have to do is either figure out what area, what skills you picked up in terms of leading others, project management, motivating others, and that sort of thing to match up with the supervisory skill or position that, that, that you're currently looking for. And that's one of the key things is you have a lot of skills in the military. It's a matter of figuring out what skills are most applicable to the position that you're looking for. So that's why I spend a lot of time with, with the vets and identifying what, what is it that you want to do? What is your motivation for work? What is the ideal position for you? And then we can go in and backfill and use the skills that you picked up in the military to craft your resume around that particular job description. So hopefully that will match up. And then after you get the resume submitted, you get the interview, and then that's how you're going to be able to land that first position. But the issue becomes working with them to find out what do they want to do and figuring out what skill sets they have that matches up with that ideal job position. Because again, I like to always have one or two job descriptions that they want to go for to begin the conversation. And then we figure out and do an analysis of saying, okay, this is the job that you want. They want skills A, B, and C. Do you have skills A, B, and C? If the answer is yes, then we dig a little bit deeper and then figure out a way to craft that resume around those skill sets. And then after that, then we start talking about you have the skill set, you have the things that they're looking for, but now you have to be able to communicate that effectively to the person sitting on the other side of the desk. So it's a long process, and the process starts with first identifying what it is that they want to do. And I think that's that's one of the biggest challenges that I have is just figuring out they have such a wide variety of skills, wide variety of things they want to do, but now the issue is how do you focus that in getting getting that first position. So what are some of the things that you do as a coach to help them gain that clarity? Well, uh, I think the biggest thing is we I, I have a couple of assessments, you know, strength binders, uh, MBTI, and a couple of those to find out some of, some of the things that they want. But really, it's all about a conversation. I dig deeper in terms of if you have the ideal job, what would that ideal job be? What is it that you want to get out of work? So I spend a lot of time up front just figuring out what it is they want. 
And sometimes we start in one area and we end up in a whole different area. Mm -hmm. And the issue that I have is just being able to work with them and walk them through what made them successful in the past and then take those experiences and have them try to figure out what's best for them in terms of how they want to pursue the next phase of their life. So really, I think it really boils down to just talking with them, finding out and getting deeper understanding around what it is they want to do. How much resistance do you hit when you're working with these people and change? Because change can sometimes create some uncertainty and we might get a little bit of a struggle with that. So how do you engage these men and women through this change that they're going through? We have a good we have good conversations around what it is their expectations are because in the military, depending on your rank, depending on, on your position, you're used to be you're used to, you are used to saying do this and it gets done. Now uniforms come off, not literally, but uniforms come off. And now you're just like the masses in, in society. So for them, it's a matter of saying, okay, tell me more about what you expect to see as you enter the workforce, either at this level or the next level. So, and then the next question is, how do you think you're going to have to adjust what it is you, you've done before that has made you successful, but now you, now it's in a different context. So think about those sorts of things. So for me, it's a matter of framing it so that they're going into something new. How do they expect or what do they expect in that situation? And what tools do they need to bring to bear in terms of being successful? So really, it's walking them through visioning in terms of what it's going to be like walking in and being the manager, walking in and being the supervisor or walking in and being the director. And then how do you deal with that in terms of when someone, when you ask someone to do something and they tell you, well, I'm not going to do it right this second. So for, for them, it's a matter of saying, okay, this is a new environment. These are some of the things I need to deal with and be in order to be effective. I have to adjust my skill set or use my skill set in a different manner. So I think that's the biggest thing in change. A lot of folks though are, they're a little reluctant, as you said, because they're used to having things done their way when they say it, how they, when, where, and how it's supposed to be done. So I think it's a matter of working with them to set the expectations around the different contexts of, of where they're going to be working. Good. So this kind of moves you into, we, we talked a little bit about this initial group or the, when you work the transitioning with transitioning folks, transitioning folks. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And now we're really kind of also looking at in order for this group that you work with to continue to be successful and move up the ranks in civilian world, they yep. might need to have a little bit of shift in perspective and how they work with people. So sort of that that classic, what got you here won't necessarily get you to where you want to be. Exactly. So what are some of the things that you do to work with the leaders that might come back to you as they continue to transition up and move up in organizations? What are some of the things you need to do to work with them as a coach to help them in their leadership style? That's where I actually go into more detail around using inventories to get feedback leadership practice inventory around the different skill set, 360 types of inventories. And I take that information and I feed it back to them and say, look, here are the results. This is what this is what the folks above you are saying here or what your peers are saying. And here is feedback from the people that, that report to you. These people are saying these particular things. They're identifying some areas that identifying some areas and some practices that you may want to to implement more often. So from there, we create a leadership development plan where there are certain activities, certain actions 
specifically geared towards addressing the feedback from the 360. And that usually works because we, I work with them with the initial plan and then we follow up for at least three months and then they actually work on those specific activities to shore up any areas that they that their people have identified as as an area for improvement as well as build on the areas that they've already been successful so i think one of the biggest ways to, that i work with those managers is going through an assessment process lpi 360 or any any 360 of their choice i prefer the lpi 360 because it, it makes makes sense to me and and my clients have have found that to be successful. So then we work with that with them through that, identify the different action steps, action plans, and then monitor the plan and hold them accountable, hold them accountable for their action plans and get their feedback to see how the plans are working. And I think it's more of a partnership at that level in terms of them figuring out the areas that they want to the areas that they need to work on and the activities that they need to be successful in that environment. You know, Jay, you talk about the LPI. Not everybody's going to understand what that is. It's, right. it's a 360 that I use as well and a, a tool that I... So that stands for the Leadership Practices Inventory. Practices, yeah. That comes from the Leadership Challenge work. From Wiley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The work of the Leadership Challenge and the Leadership Practices Inventory, what are some of the things about that that you like? and that you found really resonate with you as you work with leaders? I think the biggest thing is encourage the heart. And for my vets who actually make that transition, encouraging the heart, that is motivating others, being able to talk with others, getting other folks to rally around to do their job. I think that's the biggest thing that the military actually teaches you because at the heart of the military overall is leadership. And leadership means getting the folks to do what it is that they need to do without without having to hammer hammer you all the time. And I think the biggest thing that a lot of the military folks can bring automatically is being able to motivate folks to do difficult things during difficult times. And if they can transition from that in the military into the civilian context, that's where they're going to be most successful. And that's where my clients have been most successful in terms of being able to say, okay, I've done it this way. Now, how do I adjust my style to fit this particular civilian sector. And again, some of the basic things would be providing a positive feedback, giving, letting people know that they're doing a good job, encouraging people as they do, as they do their job. And I think those sorts of things around encouraging the heart that I think on the, on the outset, you would think it's a touchy feely thing, but no, not really. When you think about encouraging the heart, it's about letting people know that they're doing a good job and that's how you get the most out of them. And again, in the military, that's, that's, that's what most military leaders are good at beyond the rough and cruff facade sometimes that, pe- that the society thinks that the military is all about. And as you talk about encouraging the heart, that is one of the five practices of exemplary leadership that's covered in Leadership Challenge and so key, right? That yes. we, you know, not only model the way, but we challenge the process challenge and the everything process else. And, <laughs> and all the other pieces. But that I love how you, you bring up that encouraging the heart isn't a squishy or a, well, you know, who really needs to do that, that soft skill kind of thing. It's, it's actually incredibly powerful and meaningful as we help people be the kinds of leaders they want to be and leaders that others want to follow and respect and be a part of their leadership team. So, so key. And you also talk about in your work that your military experience can help you bond with your clients or can help your clients maybe know that you're 
understanding where they come from. How do you see your military experience impacting the practice that you've chosen? I, I think the biggest background or the biggest thing that really helps is my, my connection with them around the sen- a sense of duty, a sense of calling. Because a majority, a majority of the folks that are in the military have a sense of service. And in my practice, I have a sense of service to helping others and more specifically helping, helping vets. I look back on my career and as, as I transitioned out, I didn't have a lot of the, of the advantages in terms of different coaches, different programs and that sort of thing. And my commitment is to be able to reach back and give back to other vets who I see can actually benefit from the services, but also being able to help other people. And I, I guess that goes back to my time as a Boy Scout, you know, service to others. And I really, you know, do a good turn daily. Those are the things that I really, really like to do. And, that, and, and that's the beauty of, of my coaching. I'm helping other people and it's something that I enjoy and there's a good benefit all the way around. So I think that's part of the thing that I think resonates with me and my clients is that we, we share a bond of service and we share a bond of doing the right thing to help to help other people. What is primarily motivating service members when they leave, like motivating them to transition from the military into civilian life? What usually creates that transition? Well, a lot of them either their end of commitment or their end of their enlistment is up or they are at or they are actually getting ready to reach retirement. And then again, like you said, if a person goes out from high school, spends 20 years, they're still in their 40s, they have another career, they have enough time to actually transition into another career. So I think it's both, it's on both counts in terms of either that, either they decide that, okay, I want to try something new, or they have to reach, they reach the 20 year mark and they have to, you know, either, either get promoted or, or opt out to, to start, start the civilian career. So I think, they're the burning platform, so to speak, is for those folks would be, okay, 20 years, 20, I've done my 20, you've got to get out, you know, your 20 mandatory retirement. And then the other folks are just, their enlistment is up. So now they want to do something else as well. Okay. And what are some of the things that you find to be most motivating for your clients? I think it's really an opportunity to serve on and be able to be in a position where they're continually serving. I had a client the other day getting ready to transition out. They want to go into either the federal service, that way they can keep serving, or they want to go in the local local level and serve. There's no idea or no no real inclination to go in the private sector. So I think a lot of times the, the vets want to, want to stay in the service area in terms of giving back more so than going out and doing the entrepreneurial thing or going out into the actual corporate setting and that sort of thing. But again, it varies. But the majority of the folks that I deal with, after we talk through everything, it's the common theme is service, either at the federal level, state level, or, or local level, and or service in the private sector around uh, nonprofits and that sort of thing. But again, all it, it varies. But, but most of the folks that I, I come into really want to get into a service service type of, of position. And that's part of what you do with them. You help them get clarity about what they want to do and then right. help them figure out where they're going to connect with that desire. Exactly. Exactly. Because some folks come out thinking that, okay, now I'm going to walk into a six-figure job with a corner office and just because I've done X, Y, and Z in the military. That's a, that's a great target, but let's take, a, let's take a look back. If you want that, what is that going to take? Is that, is that the sacrifice you're willing to make? Do you have the requisite skills to, to, to match up with that? And so we, 
you're exactly right. We have a conversation about expectations in terms of figuring out what's going to be the best position for you at this point in time. That's not to say you, you should not aspire to anything that you want to aspire to, but let's talk a look, let's take a look at your knowledge, skills, and ability and see how we can best match up your skills and ability with what it is you want to go with. So you might need to do some reality checking or helping level to, setting. to level set. Absolutely. Good. And how long do you tend to work with your clients? Like as somebody is transitioning, what's a, a basic length of engagement for somebody who's going through a transition? Three to six months. And the first month is the most intensive in terms of figuring out what it is they want to do, figure out what their goals are, their motivation for work, then figuring out what action plans need to be put into place. And then from there, turn it back to them and work with them around their action plan. Specifically, how many how many positions are they going to look for a month? How many or a week? How many job interviews or job fairs do they plan to go to in the next in the next couple of months or so? So it's really intensive for the first three to six months, and then after that, then it's then it's more monthly because now if they most of them have worked well, so now at the, at the three to, at the six month mark, now they're more in getting into the interview prep mode in terms of figuring out okay. Now let's spend my time on practicing for the interview. What questions are going to come up? How do I deal with the difficult questions? How do I position my background and those sorts of things? So a lot of time up front, the first couple months is spent on networking, building out your resume, targeting targeting your position. And then by month five and six, you're actually out there having interviews. If you did all your groundwork, interviews weekly, monthly, and that sort of thing until you find out and get that ideal position for you. Because even though they go through the interview process, if it's not the position that they want, they start the process all over again. So that, that's, okay. that's part of it. But, but by that time, they've got the groundwork laid and they understand what positions they want to go for, how they're going to be able to target those positions and be, able, and be successful from there. So your clients likely to start working with you before they actually leave the military? Yes. That, that is the ideal time that I, I identify the clients because what happens is they have their already they have their service related career transition information and then I work with them during that point in time and then after they get off of active duty so I actually start working with them ideally a month or so before they get out because they're going through a lot of stuff because again you have to worry about where you're going to live where you're going to work relocation and all those sorts of things so I'm with them and letting them know that this is what you need to expect once you hit the you know the the exit date from the military. So again, I have an opportunity to work with them uh, prior to them leaving. And then after they leave, then it's more heavy duty because now they have the time and they have the focus. Well, and I would think that at some point they're going to need the income. So when you were talking about it being six months and them still kind of being in that place, I'm just wondering what additional stressors are coming on for them because at some point I would assume they, they don't you hit you hit, for being a service member. Yes, you you fit the nail on the head. And that's one of the bigger, biggest stressors that we have in terms of being able to say, okay, now bills have to be paid. And right. then either they're going to, either they're going to draw down on their savings and or use their terminal leave. And, a lot, and that's what a lot of folks do. They have a lot of leaves saved up so they can actually live six to eight months on, on unused leave. But eventually that's going to, that's going to, to, to run out at one point in time. So what we do is we figure out a target target date. This is the target date that you really need to start thinking about getting a full-time position. That way, you're in a position not to burn through your savings and all your unused leave. And this is where we get the action plans and we go back and say, how many positions are you going to be searching for per week? And how 
Are you, how many networking events are you going to attend? How many job so fairs are you going tactical. to attend? It gets very tactical. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Because that, for, for the military, it helps them understand that, okay, I need to do A, B, and C in order to get E and that sort of thing. So I think so you that, know and that works. That your clients respond very well to structure, and part of your coaching is being very tactical, very structured, very much the accountability partner with them. Yes, yes. That, and again, that goes back to a previous question in terms of how I bond with and how I relate to the re- relate to the clients. Because again, the, most vets understand that you need, to, in order to get to your objective, you need to do the certain steps before you get there. So all that is not new to them. So they understand that okay, if I have to if I have to spend four hours extra a night looking for jobs, that's what I'm going to do because eventually I want to get the position that I, that I really desire. Because again, I need I need to uh, fulfill my financial obligations and and everything else. Well, I think that it's just so important the service that you provide because our military members have have provided such a service to the country. You yourself have. I want to thank you for the service that you've provided to the country and and to the service members that you continue to be a part of their life to help them succeed moving forward and to continue to bring value, but value in the in the way that they want to in the in the civilian world. So, Jay, thank you for taking time to be with the Star Coach Show today and share about this special niche that you work with that all of us have a, a gratitude for. Yes, thank you. And again, thank you so very much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And, and it's been a great experience for me. Excellent. Thank you, sir. One of the things that Jay and I didn't get into in his interview, we just didn't have enough time, but does come to my mind on a regular basis that not only our service members, but their spouses and families could benefit from coaching. So that might just be something that you think about if you're ever in a place of wanting to serve and respect the people that that serve for our country, what kinds of offerings, or is that even something that sort of interests you in offerings of coaching? So I want to once again, thank Dr. Jay Howard for his interview with us and, and being able to spotlight our veterans on this Independence Day in America. If once again, you're enjoying the show, a rate and review on iTunes would be so appreciated. And don't forget that we have an ongoing book giveaway. And the book that we're currently highlighting in our book giveaway is Jungle, A Journey to Peace, Purpose and Freedom. This is authored by Cindy Henson, who was our guest in episode 81 when she talked about coaching clients through overwhelm. I hope that you all have a fabulous week. And until next week, This is your host, Meg Rentschler, wishing you the very best for your coaching success.